All right, so uh, the nature of today's service is that uh, we finished a series on the subject of prayer. And uh, what I want to do is to take questions and I will answer the questions. So I'm going to take them randomly uh, from the first service. I did one to about six. So let me start with question number six. All right, put that up. All right, so I can cover all the questions. All right, let's start with question number six. Okay, and it's from Luke chapter 18. And so the question is, the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he be along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? So the questions are, kindly explain what the scripture meant with the question with regard to answered prayers. So as you say it in the context of answered prayers, two things, that though he be along with them, and the second is shall he find faith on the earth. So let's go back to the question here. And he says, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Now, the background to this was that the Lord had talked about an unjust judge who, lo- who feared not God nor regarded man. And the widow had come, and by her continual coming, the judge who was unjust, had no regard for God nor man, responded because of importunity, which means she kept coming. So the Lord said, if an unjust judge can finally yield that way, shall not God avenge his own elect? To avenge means to vindicate or to make sure they obtain their rights and privileges. And the most important thing Jesus is doing here is communicating to us an attitude of saying that with the unjust judge, the widow did not give up, eventually she got it. So eliminate from your mind the thought of you not getting an answer. And that has to be your approach to God. That if the unjust judge can eventually yield, then there's no excuse anywhere you are going to get that thing. And it says, which crieth day and night unto him. All right, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night? So we see the consistency in their cry unto God or having the issue on their heart. Then he says, though he be along with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. So he says quickly, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? So the two things that can confuse is that it says, though he be along with them, which gives the idea, particularly if you are reading it from the unjust judge, who, you know, it was after some time he agreed. So he says, though he be along with them, and then he says he will avenge them speedily, all right, nevertheless, when he comes, shall he find faith on the earth? So there are three things here, that he bears long, he says he will answer speedily, he says, but the condition is faith. Now, so what's going on here is that what will unlock our understanding is the 
is the, is the, or what you unlock the scripture is the understanding of what it means to bear long. Now, to bear long is what we we'll call long suffering. In other words, it has nothing to do with time. I repeat, bear long doesn't have anything to do with time. It is a statement saying that God is long suffering. In other words, all right, he can stomach, right, the if somebody is long-suffering, it's like somebody does something provocative and the person, you know, just continues and says, look, you're a very patient person. This person did this kind of thing to you and you are still the way you are, that you suffer long, which means it's deep within yourself. So God is saying, I will be along, all right, but what I am looking for, I will answer speedily, but what I'm looking for is faith. So what Jesus is saying is that God is going to answer speedily. The condition that he wants in the lives of the people that will cause him to move quickly is faith. He said, now understand this. Don't let any mistakes that you might be making based on character flaw make you think that God is now holding that against you. He's saying that God bears long. In other words, it's the same thing he says in James, that Elijah was a man of like passion. In other words, he had the same infirmities, made the same mistakes. But the key to Elijah being able to open the heavens and keep it locked for three and a half years was because this man got it right on the right thing, which is faith. So he's saying here that he will suffer long. He will, don't worry about that, that God is long-suffering towards you, that God is compassionate and God is merciful towards you, right? And he will answer you speedily, but what he is looking for, right, is faith. That what will stop his power from coming into operation is unbelief. So focus on you being in a perpetual state of faith right there. That Abraham wasn't, you know, perfect in everything that he did, but he got the work of faith perfect. And the minutes, the scripture says they could not enter in because of unbelief. When he says, why could we not cast this child, um, demon out of this child? He said, because of unbelief. So he's trying to tell us this, and that look, don't look at other things. God suffers long, all right? God is merciful, and God is kind. Now, put up James, sorry, James chapter 1. Put it up and verse 5. Let's, let's look at this here. It says, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God, who gives everyone liberally and ungrudgingly, without reproach, of fault finding. And that's what Jesus was saying there, that he is not trying to look for a fault in you, right, to, to nullify it, all right? And it will be given him. But then he says the next verse, only it must be in faith when he asks, with no wavering. So he says, this is what you mustn't miss, that don't waver, no hesitating or doubting, for the one who wavers or doubts is like the belowing surge out of a sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. So he's saying it is that being tossed by the wind, all right, here, where it tells us that let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord, 
right? That is where people actually fall short. It says if there is a day and night consistency in the place of faith, if there is a day and night consistent declaration of faith there, if they are not thinking and under any form of guilt, that is it some mistake I made or some error somewhere, because if you have that kind all right, of mindset, then condemnation is going to come and faith is going to be leaked out of your life. So it says, don't have all of that. Just focus on the fact that you don't waver in your thought life concerning that particular thing. That is, give yourself wholly to them. That what God is looking for is actually faith. What he's looking for, all right, is a man. When he said David's heart was perfect towards him, it didn't mean that David was perfect, all right, in, his, in everything that he did, but it meant that in his attitude towards God. So God is looking for that right attitude towards him, and he says, a man of like passion, all right, Elijah, but Elijah prayed in faith. So it is the issue of our faith that he's looking out for. All right, he's saying that, I'm looking for that. And once we stay in the place of faith there, because if God is going to cross, cross the eyes or dot the eyes and cross the T's with any single human being on the earth, he will be able to find fault with something that we're doing. All right, so he says, he suffers long. You extend that unto others, which means that as your father has forgiven, he says, you also forgive other people, all right, the way your father has forgiven you, and that you also extend that forgiveness and mercy there. And then he says, stay in the place of faith. And once you stay in the place of faith, he's saying, God will answer you speedily. So position your heart in the place of faith, Stay in the place of faith in your attitude towards God in the place of prayer. Don't come under any form of condemnation and think that, you know, you can think that maybe it's because I'm not paying the salary of somebody properly. Maybe this is why God is judging me on this other area of my life. Or maybe because, you know, I did not speak well to my parents when I was growing up, so he's judging me in my business. He said, look, all right, understand that you are dealing with a compassionate God, all right, who is not, even though he recognizes that you might have infirmities, deficiencies in certain places, he is ready to put up with that, your baggage, but what he is not going to put up with is unbelief. He is not going to put up with a person telling a person that I am going to do this for you and the person doubting that because by then you have called him a liar. So he is saying that every person I moved on the earth and did mighty things through them, I far could have found fault with them, right? But these people had a right heart towards me, right? They, they looked up towards me as their only source. They did not waver, all right, in anything they did. They were consistent day and night, crying out, which means singing praises and worshiping God for it. And it says, God says, I will answer speedily. So the bear long is not talking about length of time. It's talking about the character disposition of God towards us, that he's a compassionate God, and he's not going to dot the eyes and cross the tears. So don't come under any sense of condemnation there, because somebody was born blind, and the first thing they asked Jesus, was it because of this man's sin, all right, or his parents' sin? Now, once you feel that is something you did wrong, or something that your parents did wrong, quote and unquote here, then how do you get out of that particular situation? What is the wrong thing that I did? And all of that. So you have a sense of condemnation there. 
and that leaks faith, and it's faith, all right, that actually gets the results when it comes to the place of prayer. So what he was saying was to be along is to put up with the things that are inconsistent. It's not about, all right, that, but the fact that they have imperfections, all right, that God says, I will forgive and I will have mercy on you, but you also extend that, that merciful attitude towards others. That's why he says, when you stand praying, forgive, all right, extend that merciful attitude towards others. And then he says, unbelief is the great sin of unanswered prayer, provided the individual is working in mercy and forgiveness in their own life, then they should understand, all right, that God himself will respond quickly, right, to their exercise of faith, right, and get things done for them. So that's what that says in terms of that. Now, number seven, uh, this deals with faith again. Number seven, question seven here. All right, so it's, Pastor says, thank you for the series on, on prayer. It has been a blessing to me. I'd like to find out how to strike a balance between vows and prayer. For example, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, Anna made a vow to the Lord even before Eli's response in verse 17. And then, even sometimes ministers give testimonies about how God met their needs when they sowed sins for a particular request. How do we strike a balance between said sowing in the place of prayer and holding fast to your confessions in order to get results? Now, said sowing is not necessarily vow, okay? That's it's different, but let's, let's just take it in what this person is saying here, and, and I'll answer this. All right, now, the first thing you've got to understand is this. The power of prayer is not in how hard you pray, but it's in your communion with God. Now, the truth about the matter is that in prayer, before you can get into a place of sweet communion with God in prayer, where prayer moves from a discipline to a delight. You have to spend some time. Dr. Yongecho puts it this way. He says the first hour in prayer, it's like I'm talking to the devil. Then after that, I begin to commune with God. What he's saying is when you start praying, there seems to be that demonic pressure that is trying to stop you from getting to that place of real communion when prayer is a delight, where there's a flow and the Holy Ghost is like there's a gusher, and that's when you start hearing the voice of God and get into your zone, all right, in it. So it says the first hour is like we're pushing against that. When we break all that, then we get into that place of communion. Now, so the result of prayer is not because of how hard I prayed, but it's when I get into the place of sweet communion with the Holy Spirit, the things the Holy Spirit tells me to do that I carry out is what brings about the results of praying. If I pray hard, right, and I even pray through, and I don't listen to God during that time of sweet communion, when prayer is a delight to my soul, and there's a gusher, and the Holy Spirit is like flowing as rivers of living water, all right, into my soul. If I don't listen to the thoughts of God concerning what I want to do and carry out those thoughts, then I'm not going to get, right, results from prayer. It's not how much, how hard I pray that God, can you see how hard I was there in prayer, reward me for that, all right? The results comes from obedience to hearing the voice of God. 
So we get to a place where we pray, right? Then you get from that discipline to a place where it becomes a delight in practice. Now, when it becomes that delight, there's that communion with the Holy Spirit. Your mind gets quiet, all right? And then you hear the thoughts of God, and then you carry out the thoughts of God. That is why you cannot teach the mechanics of prayer or faith. It is a fellowship because it's what the Holy Spirit tells you to do that actually brings about the result. Having said that, a person, therefore, all right, if somebody comes out to me and says to me, right, God told me, or while I was communing with God, I, I received inside my spirit, all right, to make a vow unto God concerning something, I will not tamper with that, because if that is what God said to the person, that is beyond the jurisdiction of any person. I'll show this in scripture, all right, God, it's the person's personal faith between them and God, right, that God is honoring, I don't know what God said to the person, right? Dr. Benny Hinn said he came into a covenant with God concerning the healing anointing and that if he misses it on this particular issue, and this is not so this is a dead thing he did between him and God, he said there was a time he actually had forgotten about it and he broke that covenant he had with God and he fell ill and he said literally he saw a vision of Jesus walk into his room and tell him that listen remember that covenant it was said he's doing the 80s and he restored and renewed that now it's not applicable to everybody it is something that came as a result all right of uh, the person going into communion with God so when a person is in communion with God right what God says to them provided right is not placing a burden on anybody provided it is not injurious to anybody, provided that decision is not going to mean that other people are going to be placed under any form of burden that is between them and God, right? They have made their decision there. It's not costing anybody. Now, when people say that God spoke to me, things like to leave my job, and then you are earning nothing, and then you are leaving off people, God could not have said that, right? Anything that God says to you in that place of communion, you are not going to become a burden or a liability. If God says to you, leave your job, then I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit will tell you that you can live independent of anybody and you're not going to be a nuisance to anybody. I will supernaturally supply to you during that particular period. Now, that's a place of communion. Now, there are people in the scriptures, all right, I will show there, like Jephthah, like Jacob, where Jacob got to a point of communion and he made a vow between him and God and said, God, if you are going to, if you restore and build, all right, bless me, I will come back and I will build, all right, this temple for you. People can make that kind of decision, right, and do that kind of thing. It's left between them and God. It's a place of communion, all right, between them and God. I've seen people do that kind of thing in their own personal work and personal space with God. But I want to teach on the principle of making vows, all right? So a person can do that. So um, Hannah could be in a place where she was communing and she got so deep into it that something unlocked on the inside of her because what actually happened in her own case was that God, the, God, had, God actually had an issue on his, on his hands. Uh, the sons of Eli had, had broken the lineage. He needed a new place in order and he went to, Eli, went to um, um, Hannah there and Hannah made a commitment and God said, I can pass the prophetic lineage through that. So these are places 
of deep interaction between God and a human being that you do not, all right, cannot venture into a sacred ground is not the business of any person. However, any such decision shall not be bothersome to anybody. Any such decision, Catherine Coleman who carried the unhealing anointing will tell you, I can take you to the spot where Catherine Coleman died. I will tell you the decision that God told me to make. I will tell you the day he told me to make the sacrifice. I will tell you what I gave up and the spot where I gave that particular thing up to carry, all right, this particular healing anointing that I'm doing. Now, that's their own personal decision. That's within their own personal space. So let's look at examples here in terms of doing that. So Jephthah here in Judges chapter 11 and verse 30, Judges chapter 11 and 30, we see Jephthah, he said this in Judges 11 there. He says, and Jephthah vowed, they vowed unto the Lord and said, if thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, he said there are certain things he did. It was very dangerous what he did. It was between him and God. He did that. And Hebrews 11, honor that. Verse 32, this decision that he made. Put up Hebrews 11 and verse 32 in the New Testament. It tells us, what shall I say more? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson and Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. So he put Jephthah right into that for what Jephthah actually did. But this is a place there all right, of communion. But let me say something about the confession of faith because they are tapping it. Now, when you begin to confess, right? Now, this is what people must understand. When you begin to make confessions of God's word, for example, a person, let's say, let's say has an ailment, and then that person, right, right, begins to confess the word of God concerning their healing. Now, confession is not just a mechanical thing. In other words, the more I repeat it, and God sees I'm repeating it, then God is going to respond to that. The minute you begin to make confessions, the connection between the spirit realm and the natural realm, your connection between the realm of the spirit and the natural realm is your, is your mouth, your words, which means your words bridge the spirit realm to the natural realm. So everything in the realm of the spirit is activated by words. If you want to activate angels, you speak words, angels are activated. If you want to cast out demons, you speak words, demons are cast out. All right? So that's how you bring the spirit realm into the natural realm. So the minute you start making confessions about something that you believe you have received and you start saying it, what happens is the realm of the spirit now starts opening up to you. Right? So once it starts opening up to you, the information that you need in order for that thing that you are declaring to come to pass is what is given to you. When you respond to that information that is given to you, then what happens is you begin to have a manifestation of it. So Dr. Crevodola said when he had that aggressive cancer that seemed incurable, that he began to confess God's word. He had not finished confessing that day when the first thing that came to him, a voice came to him and said, change your diet. All right? Change what you are eating. First step to your healing. Right? That means your words now have broken into the realm of the spirit. The spirit realm is now giving you information. So this thing is not mechanical. That's why when someone says, well, I confessed and I confessed and I confessed and I confessed, it didn't work. Confession opens the door to the realm of the spirit. When that door is opened, what you receive from the spirit realm, as you respond to it, will determine whether or not you are going to get right the answer. So it opens, all right, the door. So imagine somebody's confessing for the growth of their business. As you start confessing and it registers in the realm of the spirit, something opens up. And then 
It's like angelic beings now start communicating thoughts to you that do this in this business. And it seems casual because the spirit realm is very close to this natural realm here. It's just next to us. So what happens is things start coming from that realm there. Now, so when a person says they are making a vow, what happens is they started declaring and something came to them. All right? So a person can get to a point where, they, as they were saying it, they opened the door, and as they got into that sweet place in prayer, the information came to them, and they just made a decision that, listen, right, this is what I'm going to do inside this business. All right? I come into a covenant with God. That's their private space now. That 30% of my earnings of this business, I'm going to give it in this particular way, and this is exactly how I'm going to give it. And they enter into that decision, and that becomes the pillar of what they're doing in the realm of the Spirit. You can transfer that to somebody else. You can transfer the promises to somebody else and tell the person, if you start declaring this, the realm of the Spirit will be open to you. Whatsoever you see, do it. Whatsoever you hear in the realm of the Spirit, do it. All right? So you do that. However, when it comes to when people say you sow a seed and confession, it's the same thing. Listen, there is nothing alive today human being, animal, plant that has life that did not emanate from a seed. There is nothing living that did not start with a seed. The Bible says the kingdom of God is as if a man will cast seed to the ground. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.